Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme of yesterday, we were sending our congratulations to Katie Taylor on her win at the weekend over Amanda Serrano. And there was much talk almost as soon as the boxing match ended about a rematch. And we know Katie Taylor's dream is to have a professional boxing match in her home country of Ireland. And Croke Park is the place that has been mentioned. Well, it looks like the papers are saying today that rematch is going to go ahead and it's going to go ahead in October of this year. It would be the first time in the history of boxing that two female fighters would top the bill in what would be a mega stadium fight. Now, it seems Katie Taylor's manager, Brian Peters, is already back in Ireland and work on what would be a mammoth project, it seems, is already underway. And the matchroom boss, uh, Eddie Hearn, he's backing the project. But the key now to the success of this is going to be the streaming network is is a dozen D A Z N dozen? They would stream the fight live worldwide. Uh, they have to agree because it would be their financial backing to stream it worldwide that would be crucial to make the project financially viable. Now it seems the majority of that stre- streaming service though are based in the US and transmitting the fight in the mid-afternoon in America would not be ideal obviously if it would be an evening time fight here in Dublin which means it'd be mid- mid-afternoon stateside and that's not ideal for people and particularly trying to get people to sign up to pay f- to pay in order to be able to see it but they do say that the magnitude of the show might be sufficient to convince the network that the timing of the boxing match even if it was to be on a three or four in the afternoon in the States wouldn't really matter. There's also an ambitious 
plan to show the fight live on RTE and that's also going to be explored and that certainly would be good news for everybody here in Ireland who would really want to see the match and since beginning her professional career it was back in 2016 that she decided to go uh, professional Katie Taylor who's now 35 she's always had that desire to one day do a professional fight in her own uh, country now of course there had been talks since 2016 that that might have been possible but then there was a series of events I mean beginning I suppose with the fatal shooting on the year that she turned professional at the Boxing Way and in the Regency Hotel and then of course there was the influence of MTK the Daniel Kinahan founded uh, business in the sport and then the exorbitant public liability insurance that scuppered any kind of plans that Katie Taylor would ever get to fight in Ireland but Taylor's management team now believe that the time is now right to stage a fight in Ireland and they're optimistic that they can pull off what will be a mega Taylor versus Serrano Mark II and they're really hopeful that they'll be able to do it in Croke Park. It's hoped that the stadium capacity on the night could be at least 90,000 people. Madison Square Garden, they had already they jumped in straight away and said you can stage the rematch here as soon as there was talks of a, a rematch but we know that the first choice for Katie Taylor will will always be Croke Park and she actually said you know she gave an after fight press conference in New York and they were already at the after fight press conference talking about a, a rematch and she said if you think the atmosphere was special in Madison Square Garden uh, she said imagine what a rematch in front of 90,000 people in Croke Park would be it would literally be off the Richter scale and last Saturday night's fight in Madison Square Garden was the richest in the history of women's boxing. Katie Taylor earned an estimated $2 million and Serrano would have received about a $1 million pay check. The two fighters would get a significantly bigger purse though because this would be a stadium fight so there'll be a lot more money attached uh, to that. And of course already the Irish bookmakers have opened up betting on who who would win in a rematch. Katie Taylor is the favourite 4-6 to on Serrano is 5 to 4 and it's 12 to 1 the draw if you are better a, a betting person but it does look like if all the i's can be dotted the t's can be crossed and the most important one is if the streaming network decides to run with it because that's where the big big money is it does look like we could be talking about October for Katie Taylor and a rematch in uh, Croke Park and I wonder how soon will Dublin City Council or the people of Dub- Dublin consider putting up some kind of a statue to Katie Taylor because she certainly is going to go down in a, so one of our listeners said yesterday the greatest Irish sports person of all time somebody was bidding Katie Taylor and one wonders should there be some kind of a statue to her in Dublin and the reason I mentioned that is there's a piece in the paper today about the Hollywood the new Hollywood statue that went up to remember the the legend that was Maureen O'Hara it has been removed just 48 hours after it went up on public display why because a lot of people felt like this bronze sculpture of Maureen O'Hara looked nothing like Maureen O'Hara particularly locals in Glengariff they were outraged that the bronze sculpture of the actress did a disservice to her and many felt it didn't resemble her at all now I've only seen photographs of it and it is difficult when you're looking at photographs of a bronze statue 
I, did it look like, would I look at it and say, oh, look, there's more in O'Hara? No, I don't think I would I would have. But then I suppose that they were going for a younger looking more in O'Hara, but I suppose the younger looking more in O'Hara is how many people will know her from her movies, etc. But there was over a thousand people posted online expressing their horror and their outrage when the artwork went on public display in Glengarriff. Now, the, sta- the statue being commissioned by Cork County Council I think it was about €33,000 it it cost. And according to the Irish Daily Star today, the County Council haven't commented on why it was removed. It was only erected. They put it up on a specially built site in Glengariff last Wednesday. And then, of course, there was an outpouring of rage against it. And then it was taken down without any explanation. It was taken down on Friday. But you assume that that was to do with the public backlash and this isn't the first time that the people of Glengariff have wanted to have a statue made of Maureen O'Hara. There was a previous one made a few years ago, but that was also canned because it didn't look anything or didn't look enough like Maureen O'Hara, I think was what was said at the time. Now, one local said this is like the moving statue of Glengariff. For whatever reason, we seem to have a problem getting a sculpture to make a statue that looks exactly like Maureen and to keep everyone happy. This local person said, I'm sure it's not that difficult a job. Sculptures will argue, of course, that the piece does resemble her. And in fairness, they may have a a point, but local people certainly did not agree. And they took to social media to voice their anger and their outrage. Many believe that the statue is bronze or maybe because the statue is bronze, it is difficult to make it so real life and to portray all of her natural beauty. The people of Glengariff all loved Maureen O'Hara and because of that, they're very protective of her beauty and they're very protective of her legacy. And of course, Maureen O'Hara was renowned for her striking red hair and her natural beauty. She was originally born in Dublin because she lived most of her life in America. And then what happened was she had, she I think she's holidayed first in Glengariff and she bought a holiday home there and she used to, she loved Glengariff and used to come on holidays. And then of course, when she went in properly into retirement, she decided she would move permanently there and she did in 2005. And when we think of Maureen O'Hara, we think of, I suppose, the movie she's best known for. I don't know how many movies she made in total, but it was her role of as Mary Kate in The Quiet Man, where she starred opposite John Wayne. That's one of those movies you sort of look at it and you can't help but smile at it. And I know it's a very old movie, kind of turns up most times around Christmas. I'll spot The Quiet Man somewhere on a on a on a sort of a sleepy, you know, that that afternoon, that week in between Christmas and New Year, where you don't know what day of the week it is. It's always a great time to sit down and watch The uh, Quiet Man. And of course, that movie was filmed in Ireland. It was filmed in Kong and in Ashford Castle in Mayo and around uh, Galway. Anyway, that statue has been removed. But I am wondering for the 48 hours that it was on display, how many people managed to see the statue of Maureen O'Hara? Did anybody think it was any way, bore any resemblance? And I really do feel for the person who would have done, I don't know who was responsible, who the sculpture was, but I always feel sorry whenever there's criticism of any of these pieces of art and these sculptures of famous uh, people. Because it's kind of like beauties in the eye of the beholder. I can look at a piece of art and think 
it's absolutely stunning. You can look at the same piece and say, what are you looking at? I don't like that at all. I can look at a piece, a piece of sculpture, say it looks nothing like the person. You can look at it and say, God, it's spot on. It's captured her likeness exactly. So it is very difficult. And I do feel for this, for the artists and the sculptures who put so much work into it. And only last night, they, that Scannell programme, which I, I think is excellent on RTE and I have to say unfortunately my Irish isn't any good so it's always great when they put on because they put up all the subtitles but they do excellent programmes on Scannell on RTE and I watched it last night and it was mainly to do with remember the Anna Livia statue that they, it was a piece of art a piece of street art that went on O'Connell Street in Dublin and it very quickly got nicknamed the floozy in the jacuzzi <laughs> and it's funny I was talking to John Paul in the office he had no recollection of it at all and I remember being in Dublin and looking at it I thought it was quite a nice piece you wouldn't have looked at her and said oh it's a beautiful piece it was a kind of an unusual piece but of course it straight away became a dumping ground for rubbish you had people putting for fun people were putting because it was like a fountain behind Anne Olivia they get people putting a bottle of washing up liquid into it for the fun and of course the floozy and the jacuzzi then there was bubbles everywhere and it eventually had to be removed so it was interesting last night then to see it went into storage for ages and I felt again that's the reason I mentioned the sculpture I felt for the sculpture because they took him back to see it when it was all locked up and you could see it was you know this was almost like an extension of him and the amount of work he would have put into it and just, just to see it dumped in, in a shed but it has since been re-established and it's in a park in Dublin now but they went to you know various other art pieces that go up and a lot of money is put into these pieces and I suppose you never get everyone to agree agree to like something it really really is a difficult thing uh, to do so as I say interested to see particularly for people in Glengariff or anyone who was in, in Glengariff last week went up on Wednesday taken down on Friday as I say Cork County Council will get on to them again to see what is that you know that they've put it up and they've taken it down and have they any plans I mean I don't think when a sculpture is done you can't exactly do anything to make it look more like her so I don't know what the plan now is for that sculpture we'll get on to them and see but it looks like at the moment they're certainly not commenting maybe they'll change their minds and then it is to says Patricia what did you think of the Brian Cody Henry Shefflin handshake at the weekend what did I make of it it was just awkward it, you know when you get where you go oh you're kind of cringing going oh lads please you know just smile at each other say something to each other it just it was a bit uh, cringy a lot of political or um, sporting analysis were saying and sporting commentators were saying that they were disappointed particularly at Brian Cody's body language that before um, towards uh, Henry Shefflin I mean it seemed like a very tight gripped handshake but it was this stare from Brian Cody it was almost like he was looking over Henry Shefflin's head I was trying to and I was looking back as it's all over YouTube I don't think a word was uttered between the two of them but what what I really felt and was disappointed about was that Brian Cody and Henry Shefflin if you look back at the history of those two men they would have gone through so much over the years you know with Kilkenny uh, hurling and when you think about the tough time Henry Shefflin has had over the last couple of weeks you know losing his 
that to me I thought was a bit disappointing on behalf of Brian uh, Cody now maybe maybe I'm along with a lot of other people are just completely over uh, thinking of it because I do know that a lot of comment- commentators were making the point that Brian Cody was likely to have still been in a foul mood with the way that the game had ended because you know they were they were tied the the scores were tied and then the they got the the penalty for being over for Kilkenny being over aggressive and of course that's how the winning point was uh, scored so you know it's very possible that Brian Cody was still in absolutely foul humor but there was very much a tense moment between the two of them and it seemed to be what everybody was talking about rather than the actual match uh, itself. So what did I make of it? I just thought it was all a little bit awkward. 0818103103 John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. The Irish Dental Association has called for a complete overhaul of the dental scheme for medical card patients as dentists in Cork and nationwide are leaving the scheme in their droves. Cork dentist Dr Mairead Brown uh, joins me. Good morning to you Mairead. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, Thank you for having me. Uh, well, you're very welcome. I suppose, firstly, roughly how many dentists are operating here in Cork under the medical card scheme at the moment? I mean, the current figures um, we have um, are that we have just 257 dentists operating the scheme. Now, nationally, there's 100 dentists operating it and dentists are leaving the scheme wholesale. Um, we have 1.5 million patients that are eligible for medical cards. These are often vulnerable patients, you know, a lot of patients who may have disabilities, elderly patients, and dentists cannot work the scheme anymore. It's um, morally, ethically, we're having serious issues with the scheme. We are working on a scheme that is outdated. It's rooted in 1994 practices. This is a 30-year-old scheme that predates phone on the internet. And, you know, we want a wholly new scheme where there is no limitations on the types of treatments that we can provide to our patients and that our patients need. We need a scheme that's rooted in modern dentistry that enables us to use our modern techniques and materials so that our patients are getting the best treatment. You know, Patricia, we're dealing with a very wide, diverse patient cohort here um, that have very different needs. Some have very complex medical needs and their dental care cannot be compartmentalised to a box. We have a scheme that since 2010, 2008 financial crisis, they created more limitations on it and more restrictions. Um, we had treatments suspended, um, certain treatments only available in emergency cases. And I, as a DTSS contract holder, I'm providing treatment to my patients. And I'm very worried, you know, the HSC has willfully allowed this scheme to fall into crisis. And we are at a crisis now for oral healthcare, and we cannot, we are going to run into a situation where patients will not be able to access the adequate dental care they need that is up to the standard of modern dental practices. Yeah, I mean, I do, I do think that's that's the big the big um, point in all of this. And I mean, it's not as if you as dentists and the Irish Dental Association, it's not as if you've been sitting quietly and saying nothing. I've lost count of the number of interviews that I've done yeah. with your association about this very issue and about the fact that the scheme that's in place, I mean, hard to believe that you're operating on a scheme that's 30 years old. Yeah. You know, modern dental practice has changed so much in that 30 years. Absolutely. And I mean, currently the services that are available to our patients that are 
um, eligible for medical cards, things like periodontal disease has been suspended. You know, we are limited to two fillings per year, and that's in an emergency situation. And we have a scheme that focuses on extraction over prevention, and that is completely unethical. You know, we as dentists want to be able to focus on prevention over extraction. You know, we know from other medical backgrounds that prevention is key. We are dealing with periodontal disease, dental caries, and these are all preventable diseases. And we're having patients, you know, anecdotal evidence suggesting they're ending up in E, needing IV antibiotics. I have patients coming into me on a day-to-day basis on waiting lists to have teeth removed um, and needing multiple courses of antibiotics by the time they get around to accessing the care that they should be getting. Um, you know, we as an association, this is something that is ongoing. As you said, Patricia, I mean, I'm on our GP committee for a long time and it's discussed at every meeting and we're very, very frustrated. You know, we as an association actually commissioned Professor Kieran O'Neill, who's a professor in health economics in Queen's in Belfast, and he came up with the concept of developing a voucher or credit scheme. Now, this was from the feedback of dentists, and this model is actually based on a model similar to a Portuguese model, and they're actually finding in Portugal evidence coming out from Portugal now that 10 years on that, you know, there's less patients needing less fillings. So this, this alternative concept essentially would provide an entitlement of a certain value for a certain period of time to cover a range of services and costs. So essentially, it's giving us greater autonomy to dentists um, so that we can direct the resources to our patients rather than being directed towards administrative resources. So, yeah, you know, and I think it must be very difficult for dentists not to be able to offer what you know is the, the best treatment or the best preventative treatment available to patients. Absolutely, you know. I mean, we want to be able to practice with our modern techniques, our modern materials, and every patient should be treated the same. And a scheme that is based on 1994 practices is outdated, and it's unfit for purpose. And, you know, that is why there are less than 700 dentists operating the scheme nationally now. And that will continue to fall. And unless the, you know, the HSC and the government, they have a duty of care to our patients under the Health Act. And that is to provide adequate health care. And that includes dentistry. And, you know, we are caregivers. We want to be able to provide the best up-to-date dental care for our patients. And at the moment, the scheme is not allowing us to do that. And for morally and ethically, a lot of dentists just cannot. Yeah, yeah, and you can understand, therefore, why dentists are are leaving. Are you fearful for the future? I mean, could we be facing a recruitment issue? Yeah, I mean, that is another issue. That's another strand to it, Patricia. Um, You know, we have an issue in the public dental service, which has been underfunded, under-resourced for a number of years now. We have recruitment levels in public dentistry, are severely low. I mean, I'm not sure whether you have children yourself, Patricia, but, you know, the school dental screening scheme yeah. at the moment, the waiting list, I mean, anybody who has children, I mean, they're, at the moment, I believe the figures are 100,000 students who are eligible are waiting on waiting lists. And my public dental colleagues want to provide the treatment, but they have underfunding, undersupply, and there's been a lack of investment in career pathways. And we also have the other side where, you know, we have a lack of graduates you know, being um, being trained in our, our schools in, in, in Cork and in Trinity, um, we have which is causing labour shortages in every facet of dentistry, be it dentistry, dental nurses, and um, dental hygienists. And you know, anecdotally as well, um, the evidence suggesting that less than forty percent of dental graduates are retained in the Irish economy. You know, a lot are taking alternative pathways, be it in cosmetic dentistry and medicine. 
And we need an expansion of our schools, you know, our dental schools, to be able to meet the demands of our patients. Yeah, you and, know, yeah um, and you know, you're, you're flagging it now and have been flagging it for a number of years. Are, are the government engaging with the Irish Dental Association to find solutions? I mean, we have been knocking on doors for years, as, as you rightly said earlier, Patricia, and, you know, there are certain negotiations ongoing at the moment. But, you know, ultimately, what we want to send is we are working in our patient's best interest. And we want to have modernisation of the scheme, not a modification of the current scheme. The current scheme is unfit for practice. We need a modernisation that reflects current dental practices that enables us to treat every patient individually and give them the adequate and appropriate dental care they need and they deserve. This is 2022. I mean, we should not be operating on a 1994 contract or 1994 practices. That is totally unfair for our patients and it's inadequate. Okay, absolutely. Okay, listen, well said, Marage. Thank you for that. And I appreciate you taking time out because I know you've got a busy practice. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Good morning to you. That is Dr. Uh, Marage Brown, who is a dentist uh, based here in uh, Cork. And actually the Irish uh, Dental Association, you know, they've broken down the figures of how many dentists have left the medical card scheme. And it's like one in five have left uh, the, the the medical card scheme here in Cork since uh, 2017 but when you dig a little deeper into those figures the most stark figure is there's been a 35% drop in the number of contracted dentists in North Cork now that covers you know Mill Street Canturk Charleville Mallow Mitchestown and Formoy there are now just 30 dentists covering the entire North Cork area under the medical card uh, scheme and in 2017 there had been 46 and that would certainly explain to us here on this programme why we get the most calls from that area from people on a medical card saying I've got a toothache and I can't access uh, a dentist there's no dentist taking on medical card patients or there's no dentist available it is truly uh, shocking 0818 103 103 John Paul taking your calls you can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Certainly, many people from West Cork who attended last week's Ed Sheeran concerts at Porky Cueve were very thankful to the West Cork. Cork Connect bus service. They operated late night buses to get people home after the concerts. Damien Long of West Cork Connect joins me this morning to highlight the removal of the commercial bus operators from St. Patrick's Quay. Good morning to you, Damien. Morning, Patricia. Uh, How are you? I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. And I have to say, this was something I was unaware of. So we did make contact with uh, Cork City Council to find out uh, what is going on. And they have issued us with a statement today saying, calling it part of the McCurtain Street Public Transport Improvement Scheme. Now, fill us in on this. Um, are there many commercial bus operators operating on St. Patrick's Quay? Oh, yeah, Patricia, there are. You like... So for the Dublin side, you're talking like there's Air Coach, Go Bus, then there's Dublin Coach on the Waterford side, City Link, Cove Connect, Westcourt Connect, uh, all major players that are in the that are in the, um, the the private bus operators market, like in Ireland, like are all uh, coming and going from that key every day of the week. You're talking about hundreds of buses a day, thousands of passengers a day on that one key. Like like. Look, it's 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 a hive of activity during the day. It it's the it's probably one of the best in Ireland. That 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 key alone for connectivity for passengers, where you can 
get off one bus and go in another yeah, direction yeah. on another bus. Yeah, and I'm thinking particularly somebody travelling from West Cork who perhaps needs to get to Dublin Airport would prefer to go to Cork Airport but the flights aren't on unfortunately. Has to go to Dublin Airport. So they're dragging the suitcase, they get on your bus and they get off one bus and they get on to the next one. Yeah, that's what they do. Like, I mean, we... we 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 run uh, several runs a day out of out of West Cork between Bantry and 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 Skibreen. So you know, up to uh, twelve services a day alone out of Skibreen, um, and four more out of Bantry every day. And like, take our early morning service would be leaving Skibreen at quarter past six, which a lot of the people going to Dublin would use because we arrive in Park City at five to eight, and they'd get on the air coach ten at eight o'clock. It's just right behind us, like jump off one onto the other. Yeah. Um, now where where but when when this goes ahead, which at, is at the end of May, is it there? End, end of May. End yeah. Of May yeah. Okay, so where would you move to? Um, well, we're not fully sure yet because we're. I think our service they're scattering us around the city. They they built a new bus. Um, they built a new bus stop there on Anderson's Quay outside the, the Jury's Inn and near the Simon Shelter there. They've built more new bus stops over on the Lower Landmire Road. They've built another new bus stop down by O'Connor's Funeral Home on Cobert Street. And they're just scattering us uh, everywhere around the city. Um, so you're saying each, of, each bus service will be in a different location? You won't all yeah. be centrally located? No, no, not anymore. That's over now, yeah. That's, that, that's gone. And as you said there as well, as they said in their statement, this was brought in as the McCartan Street project. There was no mention of Patrick's Key whatsoever on this. You know, and the major, the major key being changed is Patrick's Key, but they called it the McCartan Street project. So, and what are they doing on Patrick's Key to change it, 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 it um, so the buses can't stop? Yeah, so so on Patrick's Key at the moment, if and you know the key that's there, you know as well, yeah. Yeah, so you have where all the buses stop on one side of the road, and then on the other side of the road, you've got all the car spaces from yeah. the start of the street to the finish. So they're getting rid of all the car spaces; they're gone. They're getting rid of all the bus bays; they're gone, and they're putting in a double cycle lane and just two car lanes. That's that's the the project that's there. So there'll be a two way cycle lane where the buses were. God, and, I, another, I, and a wider I, footpath as well. You can see Eamon Ryan being pleased uh, with that side of it, but yeah, isn't it? But isn't it all about connectivity? Isn't it? I mean, yeah, isn't that the green is, agenda? Look, this is what's wrong. Eamon Ryan talks out of both sides of his mouth, and that's what's wrong here. Because, look, he wants connectivity, and he's all on about everybody should leave their cars at home. What is he wants yeah. one car in the parish for, between everybody? Yeah, yeah, I remember but that like, suggestion. But but ideally, so, he wants us all on buses. He wants everybody Our on trains, buses. And, but buses and, for us. And, and the best way to get people out of cars and into buses is to make it simple and it's to make the connectivity straightforward. That when you get off one, you can get on the other very quickly, very simply and go. Not not get off one and have to haul your suitcase 10 or 15 minutes across to the next bus stop across the city, um, you know, on a winter's morning or something to make another connection. That that goes completely against their agenda. They talk about connectivity every day of the week, but... Patricia, unfortunately, connectivity is only for Dublin. It's not rural Ireland is forgotten about. It's very much the same as when they gave the 20% and the 50% off to PSOs only. They don't realise that the private operators carry more people in rural Ireland than the PSOs do with public service obligations. And and you, you carry a lot more because you provide the service that's not there from... 
from the from the public service. And it was very unfair that that discount wasn't given to the private operators as well. But let me go back to the statement we had in from from Cork City Council. They say bus passengers uh, should also note that all the new locations are less than five minutes from St. Patrick's Quay and their connections. Yeah, that's five minutes from St. Patrick's Quay, but that's five minutes in one direction and five minutes in the other Just direction. Going it's actually to say, ten minutes when you add it up. Like, yeah, you know, and if, so. if you're connecting buses on St. Patrick's Quay, you're only five minutes away from it, but you don't know where, you, where you're connecting buses going to be you, parked. You don't know, and it's going to be confusing because, as, I, as I've been speaking about there, look at Ed Sheeran the other night. People who didn't even have their seats booked, they still came in their droves to Patrick's Key because it was a location. They knew where it was. They knew if they got to there, they were going to get home, either back to Dublin or back to Waterford or back down to Cove. Or like, I mean, I think the train to Cove stopped at 11 o'clock. Now, you'd want to be Usain Bolt to try and make it from Parky Keeve to the train station by 11 o'clock after a concert that finished at 10.30. But look, thankfully for the people of Cove, Cove Connect had an excellent service on there that night. Extra buses on the key on Patrick's Key. But that's fine. Everybody knows to come to Patrick's Key to get your bus home. But when you split us all over the place, then, then it's going to get confusing. Then for tourists, okay. for everybody... Cork City Council say they've engaged with the bus and the coach service providers since the scheme first went to public consultation over 18 months ago. Were you not listened to, do you feel? Um, they, didn't, they didn't connect with us back then at all, at all. What they said was it was, it was our job to contact them, not theirs to contact us, even though they knew we had licences. Because we have government licences, Patricia, we have the exact same licences as what, as what Bus Aaron would have. Now, the only people they spoke to about the Patrick Street project was Bus Aaron, even though they don't have any bus in that street. They did not speak to any of us private operators before we went to them when we heard about this uh, just before Christmas there really was the was the first time we engaged at all in any meetings with them. Um, and th- there was no bother. We did have meetings, but there was no change in their mind. There was no sitting down and negotiating anything. There was nothing. Um, but they, 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 do say, they do say that the private operators have been calling for new bus shelters and that they're going to now be provided across the city. Yeah, we would have been calling for new bus shelters on St. Patrick's Quay. So that, not you to know, be scattered across, across the city. Not, not okay, they also tell us that there would be a big information campaign and they are suggesting that they're going to ask bus operators when people book tickets that something will flash up on the screen telling them of their new location. Do you do, do, you do all your booking online? Um, a lot of our booking is done online, yeah. I mean, look, 50% of, of, of our booking is done online, but then 50% of it are walk-on passengers as well. Like, So, okay. um, but the problem there again is it took years to teach people where Patrick's Key was. You, you, you may remember when they closed Patrick's Street Key, they put um, all the parking to Alfred Street. Yeah. Actually, no one in the city knew where Alfred Street was. And you couldn't explain to somebody where is Alfred Street. It's very easy to say Patrick's Key is across from Merchant's Key Shopping Centre. It's very easy to pinpoint where it is. Or most people would know exactly where it is. But when you try and explain to somebody your new bus stop is Lord Landmire Road or Anderson's Key, where most people have never heard of or... You know, it's yeah, very, I think, very you know, for, re- for regular bus users, they'll get used to it, but it's the people like that who don't use it that often. There's going to be a lot of, of confusion. But I worry more about people who need to get from one bus to another bus. And as you say, you time everything to within five minutes in order to get people from one bus onto another bus. I mean, you, you're talking about a wet morning. Right. You're talking about dragging suitcases if it's somebody heading to the airport. Um, and Patricia, you're talking about, we, we actually carry a lot of elderly passengers. Like, look, we take the free travel on board. We take that. the lease yeah, on board. Yeah. 
And like you forget it because they're not as a mobile. lot of bus users are elderly passengers and they're not as mobile. Yeah, and yeah. and they use the bus for a reason. And when you're going to do this to them, it's going to make life a lot harder. And again, for no reason. Look, there is, there's, bus cycle lanes are needed, 100% needed in the city. But like, there was a way of working around this. There was a way of, of doing it. But they didn't even sit down before they came up with this, this project and said, listen, what do you think? Or, or do you think there's a way around it? Or do you think you could do something? There was no, there was, there was no listening. They didn't even know what direction our buses went in and our services. They didn't know what streets we use. Like, how can you make decisions? And it does, um, I mean, while, while even looking at their statement today, it does look like it's all about people who use city buses because they say one of the many benefits of the McCurtain Street scheme is it will deliver shorter bus journey times for all bus passengers in Cork City due to increased network of dedicated bus lanes and bus priorities. So it does look like for city dwellers, uh, they're going to do well out of it and they'll have shorter bus times. But what we're talking about is people coming from uh, rural areas Areas. Okay, uh, and 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 it's going ahead. Is this a fait accompli? This is happening at the end of the month, Damien. This is going ahead. We've been told that the consultation process and the planning was passed, and that this is going ahead, no matter what. And they're driving on with it. They've closed some of the bays and the key already. Um, and even they're taking away parking bays and they're putting in five fifteen-minute car sit-down bays. They're putting in a loading bay where the buses were as well, and they're putting in two wheelchair bays. Where the, where, where the buses were. That's extra that's going the street as well. But they said, planning commission is through. There's nothing stopping it now. And it's going ahead. But you know what? Look, they won't realise the problem it is until until the... the until it goes the live. Until it goes yeah, live. Because, and Camille, yeah. how, how are you getting on at, at West Cork Connect? How busy are you? Uh, we're really busy. Thanks are to you? God. We're out of COVID. And yeah, look, it's good. It's going very, very well for us. Look, we're battling against it all the time, as you see there, with the 50% and 20%. It's very hard to compete with that when, when, it, when it's unfair competition, when that's done by the government. But look, um, st- we're still cheaper, like, no matter what. Even when they knock the 50% off, our service is still cheaper. Um, how, how are you managing with rising fuel costs, Damien? Yeah, look, it's hard, and we didn't rise our prices at all, look, because we, when we started out in this, we're, our aim was to provide... Um, the cheapest transport service possible from West Cork for people and the best one they could get. And look, the fuel will come down again. We're going to take the hit for a while. Um, and and the, the fuel will come down. It, it's tough, but look, our customers are very good to us. Our passengers are good. The same people travel with us every day. The students are excellent to us as well. They're, they're, they're great for our service and we carry huge numbers of students week in, week out. So look, we're going to keep keep what we started with, follow, the, follow what we said we do at the very start and keep going. And... Um, We'll see how it goes, but things like this are are not easy on our business either. Look, we can deal with fuel prices, we can deal with everything, but no, it's, kick your soul apart. Yeah, it's tough when enough as it is. It's tough enough. Ball, Listen, yeah. keep in contact uh, with us on this one, uh, Damien, and we appreciate you taking time out. Patricia, to thanks a minute. Thanks very much. Good morning to you. Bye bye. Oh. That is uh, Damien Long, who provides an absolutely incredible uh, service. The West Cork Connecting, as, as he mentioned, Cove Connect as well. Those local bus services, commercial bus services, are just a godsend uh, for for people. And, you know, it goes back to Eamon Ryan. That's exactly what Eamon Ryan, we have a transport minister who wants people to be using buses and trains and Lewis's and, and darts. And when there's a private bus service there, we should be doing everything to make it as easy as possible, both for the operator and for the people, for the customers. Now, Cork City Council tell us that clear maps showing the new bus stops will be displayed on St. Patrick's Quay and they'll also be available to view online at www 
corkcity.ie and at transportforcorkcity.ie John Paul taking your calls at 0818 103 103 you can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. Dac Insurances can sail. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some of your reaction. Firstly, reaction uh, to the piece that I did in the last hour with Damien Long of West Cork uh, Connects. And I can see by people that uh, nobody was aware that the private bus operators are being moved from St. Patrick's Quay to new locations dotted across the city and it's happening at the end of this month. Dermot in Butterman said, I thought they wanted all of us to use public transport. If that be the case, why are they removing the drop-off points from uh, Patrick's Quay? Not making any sense at all. And I can understand, says Dermot, that they want to introduce cycling lanes. He agrees with they, he agrees with the Greens' proposals to have more cycling lanes, but we need to have alternatives and it mustn't in any way disrupt the private bus operators. And Dermot also says, when are they going to improve disabled parking in the city centre? There is a chronic shortage of these spaces at the moment. Hi, Patricia. Thank you, Dermot. Hi, Patricia. This is from a loyal West... Cork Connect client says West Cork Connect the bus service is a fab service for us who live in rural West Cork why is it that the powers that be throughout this country and county can make it so difficult for us to use these transport services to me it is ridiculous what is being announced and that's just my opinion and that is from Mara who as I say signs as a loyal West Cork Connect user there's somebody who knows the service and I think that's the point a lot of people are pointing out people who know the service they're the ones that should be listened to Helen in Ballinadee says Patricia I'm listening to the daftness coming out over my radio this morning the man speaking that was Damien Long of West Cork uh, Connect sounds totally frustrated and listening to him this morning I can understand why why don't all the interested parties sit down and talk and listen to each other remember people who've worked in the city and county as bus drivers and people who use the services for years. Surely they know what is happening on the ground, not senior people organising from afar. People who never probably used these buses in the first place now making decisions about them. If the system has worked well for years, why change it? It is, And why change it so totally over a short time period? If, if it isn't you know, if it isn't broken, why do you need to fix it? Surely keeping the best of what bus users were familiar with and some sensible adjustments to keep up with developing and progressing the county would need to be made. Not a total change by people who appear to have no knowledge of what has worked and has worked so well and what is known at local level. Why don't we ever learn, says Helen in Ballinadee. Thank you for that, Helen. And someone else says, have I woken up to a nightmare? listening to you talking about the West Cork Connect service and the buses being moved from Patrick's uh, Quay. That service and other services like it provide a great service. It's a no-brainer. And that is from a Kinsale listener. So, And that's the other thing. And I know myself and John Paul were talking about this in the office. I don't know if this has flown under the radar or not. I wasn't aware 
that the private buses and the tour operators were removed from St. Patrick's uh, Quay until we heard uh, what was going on with Damien and Damien, I think he put, I think John Paul saw something up on Damien's Facebook page where he started uh, talking about it and it was in light of the Ed Sheeran concert and, you know, the fact that they, it was the private bus operators that got people home uh, to the concert and got them home afterwards because they were the only ones ones running afterwards and then we became aware of this moving the buses from St Patrick's Quay and judging by the number of texts and calls coming in this morning the, the passengers are, who used those buses were unaware that there's going to be a change at the end of the month as they say Cork City Council tell us the clear maps showing the new bus stops will be on display on St Patrick's Quay so if you're getting off one of the buses take a look at the new maps and they'll also be available to view now they say available to view do I assume that they're not available yet on corkcity.ie and transport for corkcity.ie it's going to take a time for people to get used to where the buses are but I can foresee problems if somebody needs to get from one bus and needs to connect with another bus and that bus is too far away and they miss you know they miss the connection that's when people are going to get really really frustrated with this service 0818 103 103 Morning Patricia is the gardening segment on today it is Peter Dowdell will be joining us in the final hour of the programme if you've got a question you can get that into us and then a number of people commenting when I mentioned somebody was saying what did some of the listeners feel about Brian Cody and the Henry Shefflin handshake and I was making the point what I saw of it was just very awkward it was just awkward and it just sort of let, let you feel a bit cringy thinking oh come on you know Brian shake the man's hand particularly bearing in mind what Henry Shefflin has been going through of late and also the point I've made these two have warriored together for so many years they have a history and I know it was the, probably just the, the, a moment in time Brian Cody obviously was devastated with the results Kilkenny having lost and the way the match had uh, ended but that's when, do you then need to be the bigger person and realise well look Henry Shefflin's team has had a win so you know that's what managers do you go over shake the hand and congratulate and particularly the fact that they had they had a shared history history before you assume at one stage they were good friends would I be right or wrong in saying that uh, Brendan Amato says Patricia didn't expect anything else from Brian Cody through the years he's always been like that are you saying he's been a bit of a sore loser uh, he thinks he's above everyone says Brendan he should have retired years ago and if Brian Cody had retired years ago says Brenton in Mallow then Henry Shefflin would have been coaching his own county Henry is a total gentleman and I have to say a number of people including Dermot and John Paul and and what was the other one that was in there Harry all saying pretty much the same point that Brian Cody's actions were disgraceful he should apologise to Henry Henry Shefflin is a true gentleman so a lot of people are very much not happy with what with Brian Cody's reaction and that hand awkward awkward handshake 0818 103 103 I spoke earlier about the Maureen O'Hara statue the one that went up and was taken down it only lasted 48 hours because I mentioned the floozy and the jacuzzi in Dublin that lasted for many years and not everybody in Dublin liked that but poor old Maureen O'Hara's statue went on public display by Cork County Council for 48 hours they went up last Wednesday and it was down on Friday and that was because it was a huge outpouring over a thousand people posted online expressing their horror and outrage at the work and people felt that it did not reflect the beauty of Maureen O'Hara and bearing in mind the majority of the complaints came in from the locals in Glengariff who are very, very protective 
of Maureen O'Hara's legacy because of her love of uh, Glengariff. Somebody says, Patricia, the statue of Maureen O'Hara was terrible. I think there should be no statues erected to anyone. What a waste of money when there are so many children waiting for surgeries and suffering. There's so much suffering going on and their lives can be ruined. We're a great country for showing off says this listener who is not in agreement with any statues going up to anyone. And so Margaret says, Patricia, there's a fab monument of Willie Clancy in Clare. It is very real, true to life. I don't know who the sculpture is, says Margaret. Yeah, maybe we should do a feature on what are good sculptures and sculptures. But the point I was making when I was talking about the Anna Livia, the Flusy and the Jacuzzi in Dublin and that programme I watched last night, like they featured a number of other statues as well and things that had gone wrong and, and things that hadn't gone quite uh, to plan and you know beauty is very much in the eye of the, be- uh, eye of the beholder the Luke the very large you know there was two statues of Luke Kelly went up I think practically the same week in Dublin I, I don't quite know why two went up different parts of Dublin but the one the very large one of his head I think is a fantastic representation of the late great Luke Kelly but that's one that a lot of people don't like and of course that's the one that's been defaced and graffiti has been sprayed on it on numerous occasions so you know I don't I'm not aware of the Willie Clancy one in Clare that Margaret speaks of but she says that's a particularly good one anybody else spotted good sculptures that you think are really good and that they really captured the essence of the person the the one that does spring to mind is the Jack Charlton one at Cork Airport where he's sitting down the detail on that with the fishing bag and the fishing rod that I think is quite a stunning one haven't seen the Joe I've seen pictures of I think you've got to you've got to actually see them in person the one of Joe Dolan that was put up. I don't know if anyone has been up close to... to I've seen, uh, as I say, I've seen pictures and I've seen clips of it on the TV, but it's only when you see it in the in person that you really get to see if it is a true likeness or not. But if anybody has what they think was really good statues and really good sculptures that have gone up, what, what are the best and what are the worst around the country? 0818 103 103. And can anybody add to this... Suspicious, I'm a little bit confused at the minute. Why? What has you confused? I went into a gift shop. I was buying a small gift and I needed a bag to carry it in. I asked for a paper bag, please. And the person in the shop says, 40. When did they start charging for paper bags? I walked out. <laughs> Do I take it? You took the small gift in your hand and didn't take the paper bag. Um, have I been charged for a pa- I was charged on holidays, funnily enough, for a paper bag, but I, I took it that that was a Spanish thing. Don't know if, been, if I've been charged for a paper bag here at home. Certainly you're charged for plastic bags and I absolutely hate having to pay for a plastic bag. You know the way you, you get you get caught out sometimes and you don't have your shopping bags. Like I never, ever go supermarket shopping without all my bags. They're always put straight back in the boot so I always have them with me. But you know if you're out and you're popping into a shop for something and you don't have a bag and you have to pay for the plastic bag. I just And it's not it's not a meanest thing in paying for the plastic bag. It's just for the environment. I completely understood why they introduced the plastic bag tax. I, I was fully, and I'm not normally in favour of levy taxes, but I was, I was very much in favour of the plastic bag levy because we needed to do something to stop the amount of plastic bags. And we've all gotten into the habit of our bags for life and bringing our bags with us. But you do get caught out every now and again and you do have to buy one of the plastic bags. Which, But I've no, I can't hand on heart say... I've ever charged for a paper bag. I'm. Uh, did you question it? Did you ask the person in the show? I'm assuming when you say you walked out, you didn't uh, question it. Has it got to do with the cost of business and everything going up? Is is that got something to do with this, that they're 
the, where a business before was able to absorb the cost of the paper bags and now suddenly they're not because everything is rising all the time. Could it be something like that? I don't know. If anybody else has been charged for a paper bag, now not the plastic bag, this is actually a paper bag. Can you let us know please? 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. And just back on statues, Morris in Glanthorn said, would a plaque to Maureen O'Hara not have been better? As he saw a plaque on the Kerry Mountains. It was of Commodore Quinlan and he was in charge at the siege of Jadaville. It's much better going down the route of plaques rather than statues. Amaris also feels on any plaque that he's ever seen where they do put an image of the person. The the resemblance seems to be easier to create on a plaque than it is, say, on bronze statues. And he reckons we should be moving away from the bronze statues and going with plaques instead. And John O'Donovan in the city was on when I mentioned that the Katie Taylor fight is now looking like the rematch will go ahead in Croke Park if they can get the agreement of everybody and the streaming service in the States decides to put the money in to stream the match live it will go ahead in October of this year. John says the idea of holding this fight in Croke Park is simply wrong. He thinks it's outrageous considering what has happened with regards to violence against women in this country. The public were outraged about violence against women and rightly so, particularly the recent acts against violence. Why is this going ahead? He sees female boxing as violence because at the end of the day it's two women beating each other up with the aim of one person hurting the other person or one person winning over the other person and men cheering them on, not just men, women cheer them on as well. And he just feels it is, it's, it, he sees it as violence against women. So he's dead against the rematch going ahead in Croke Park. 0818 John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. With Munster Technological University, enhance your career prospects with MTU's range of full time, part time, and professional courses. Succeeding together with MTU.ie. Clark Brothers in Bandon, they've got the following vacancies. They're looking for a service receptionist, a panel beater, a car valeter, and they're also looking for a qualified motor technician. CVs to S. Clark at clarkbrothersgroup.com Value Tech in Canturk they're looking for persons with welding or mechanical skills it's for repair and our maintenance of agricultural machinery 087 256 1953 a part time hairstylist is wanted for work in a salon in Toker call Juliet 087 6501391 and EPS, they've got a vacancy for a wastewater treatment plant operator. It's to work in the West Cork area. CVs, please, to jobs at epswater.com. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Last week it was announced that the Gugambara Development Group have been granted leave in the High Court to challenge the wind farm 
planned for what is one of West Cork's most scenic areas. To explain what all this means, I'm joined by Neil Lucy of the Gugambara Hotel. Good morning to you, Neil. Good morning, and, Patricia. And you are also, of course, campaign spokesperson. Now, I suppose we need to go back. Remind listeners how this wind farm project came about, bearing in mind that Cork County Council had already refused planning permission for it. Um... Um, planning planning was applied for um, a group a group under the, the brand of Interco want to put um, seven large turbines on the southern ridge of Gugambara, um, facing down towards the Bantry side. These turbines uh, in in the plan in their plan, these turbines are 175 to 178 meters high. Now that doesn't sound like a lot when you say it kind of when I say it kind of loosely like that. But for example, the the Elysian in Cork is 68 meters, mm. and the Spire in Dublin is 120 meters. So these, these are huge. Huge. Uh, I, I don't, I'm, I'm probably right in saying that there is nothing as big built anywhere else, is there? I don't think so. I don't, th- I don't think there's, I think they're the largest, tur- they would be the largest turbines in County Cork. Yeah, yeah, when, for when, sure. When, when for proceeding, sure. yeah. Okay, so, the, so the, 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 they want to build seven. They went to Cork County Council and Cork County Council said what? Con- Cork County Council said uh, no, that it wasn't a good idea because um, of location uh, and there was there was many many reasons in there that they actually said no. Um, we had we had put in our um, submissions as well and our communities had put in submissions and Fault Ireland were also involved in that as well at the time. Um, so the group then went to on board Planola and um, they appealed it on board Planola and so actually did we because we felt that on board Planola were missing some information as well. And um, in that in that appeal, um, the um, um, Fault Ireland put in a submission and the on board Planola then sent down one of their inspectors to, to view this area and view all the plans that were actually there and their own inspector advised very strongly not to go ahead with this wind farm and on the 14th of February of this year they decided that it was uh, they gave the green light to go ahead Happy, happy Valentine's Day and obviously then that came as a total shock because obviously you appear to have everybody on your side everybody was agreeing with you including that board on board Panola senior planner so did it come as a complete shock that they were granted planning? Absolutely because we thought, as you said, we had everybody on our side and we, we were going with the idea that we were living in a democratic world and we didn't think that eight people in a boardroom in Dublin could 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 decide our fate in another way. And just, just as a point of interest, there's, in the Upper Lee Valley at the moment there is five wind farms, so there's, there's, we have we quite our fair share up here at the moment, but there, there's plans for many more. And one of the ones that is, is next development as well, is, is it, our next couple of developments as well are going to go under capital project. So they will bypass Cork County Council, even Cork Cork Council's best wishes and they'll go straight on board Planola. So this problem that we have with on board Planola could be a problem for many more people in West Cork in the future. And the, the senior planning inspector, he visited the area, I take it, did he? He, he yeah, visited yeah. the area and he wrote quite a document on it. We saw the document and it was quite detailed. Now, what he did say in the document, he said, like, as regards Gugambara, you won't see it. There's one rock in between the way between seeing this on the on the door on the steps of the church or from the hotel front door. There's one rock in the way of seeing this actual wind farm. But all other parts of the valley, you will actually see that, and you will also hear. That he he also referenced the 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 sound um, from these turbines because they're only two. For example, they're two thousand three hundred meters from the church. Um, so he's, he was strongly recommending not to go ahead with this project on many different, not just, just because of the church, but not just because of Gugan, but for flora, fauna, for many other reasons as well. So it was quite, and, it was quite a the, document. And the reaction, Neil, once it was announced that planning was granted? Shock. Absolute yeah. shock. So what 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. We then would change the org. We wrote a, um, a signature a petition. And very, very, very quickly, we got 10,000 signatures in um, from 43 different countries. And I know that change the org is still gaining signatures. I haven't checked it in the, in the last number of days. But it was 10,000 plus recently, which is absolutely amazing. Um, so we then, we then put a submission to the High Court for um, Judicial Review. And uh, that was actually granted last Wednesday, which we're actually very, very pleased about. And just for, for, for listeners' sake, Judicial Review is not actually going... In going against the planning that was actually granted, but is actually going against the process which on board Planola should have followed um, in, 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 in accepting their, their plans. Okay, yeah. but a judicial review to the High Court, Neil, doesn't come cheap. No. So how, how do you fund it? So what we've done, we have gone... Um, We've gone to public. We have gone to to, 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 to local and public. And it, how it actually works, the judicial review is somewhere between ninety five and 100,000. And I think it's the fifth time for this valley to actually do this. Um, so it's, it's, it's nothing new here. What we've done, we've gone public. We have we have set up, a, um, um, through to get the Christopher Ben Balangiri, we've set up balangiri.com, and people can do two fundings in that. They can go funding via iDonate on that system, um, or they can pledge money. Um, and they, they can pledge money then. And that's a, it's a very, very easy easy system to do so. So in the first part we had to get €3,000 um, just to get the, um, um, the the legal team to read it and then the first submission then to the High Court was, was 27000 and then we must get 30 and we must get we're another 35. We're all in the wrong business. 
Uh, no, <laughs> but it just shows that if you if you hear in recent times the amount of judicial reviews against on board Planola, are, there's a huge amount of them there. So obviously something is wrong. Yeah, and yeah. hopefully with with this iconic one that is Gugambara, that we can actually make that all going well, that we can force change because if we succeed, we will succeed for many more in the area of West Cork alone. Yeah, and it's okay, and it's also important to point out it's not that you're against wind energy. We all know the importance of uh, wind energy. It's just where they want to put these ginormous turbines. It is, it is just the location of this is is against. Like, I mean, Gugambara is a really, really special place. And and recently there was there was a guy that was that challenged me on it. He said, "Well, do you know it's just a church on a lake?" And I said, no. "Well, not not really." I said, "When you think about Gugambara, I said for some it is the church on the little island. For more, it's the island. For more, it's the lake. For more, it's the it's, it's the surrounding of the lake for more is the forest park for more is the valley and I said for, for a lot of people it is the whole thing including the mountains so like this is this is not about us and business in Gugan this is about keeping a space that is really special for the future for all the next generations as well and kind of kind of like almost keepers of the valley as such this this is what we need to protect Yeah because like I mean everybody well, to me when I think of Gugan Barra you know there's just that iconic picture of the little church and then the rolling hills uh, behind and it's just it's beautiful and, and it's it is, it is iconic. And you're right, we do need to protect the area around it for future generations. Because, you know, I, I often think in 50, 60 years' time, will, you know, the next generation look back and say, God Almighty, what were they doing? What, what did they do? What were they thinking? <laughs> you know, what were they thinking of? Yeah. And we're not, I mean, we're not, we're not against wind energy. We're not against development energy. We've 37 PV panels up in the hotel. We're gone all LED within the hotel. We're, we're saving energy as, everywhere we can. We're going developing hydro ourselves and we're going putting in more PV later on as well. So we're, we're all for that. But it's, it's just time and place for this particular one is the one that, that's caused this issue. So. Okay, yeah. and come here. has your season kicked off? Wonderful, we're wonderfully has it busy. Great? Yeah. Really busy. Yeah. Because the weather has been really good. People have been kind of tied up now for the last two years and they want to get out. Now it's more like, is Gugan being that special place? It is getting quite a bit of traffic because people are using it for that special place. And everyone kind of finds their own little place inside here and, and, and enjoy it for lots of different reasons. Whether it is the man fishing on the lake, whether it is the pilgrim, whether it is the wedding, whether it is the walk in the forest park, whether it is the guy that's using the bear away, breathing away over the mountain. It, it, it is being used for, for all those reasons. And that is such a joy to see. Yeah, and, yeah, and are, there, are there are there weddings going on in the church? There is weddings going on in the church. There was one yesterday. I think oh. there's one planned for tomorrow as well. And, oh. it's, and it's beautiful these days. It's oh fabulous, man! Yeah. And if the if you can manage to get the sun to shine on the same day, you're, you are truly blessed. Oh yeah. Okay, listen. We'll stay in contact with you. Best of luck Thanks with your judicial support. review uh, anytime. Mahu. Thanks Mahu. for that. Uh, bye bye. Bye bye. That is uh, Neil uh, Lucy, who is a campaign spokesperson, but is also, of course, with uh, Gugan Barra Hotel. And I know the last time that we did a piece on this would have been back in February I just didn't realise it was Valentine's Day when that planning permission was uh, granted I just remember the outpouring from people saying oh please don't do anything that would interfere with uh, Gugan Barra because it is such a special special uh, place 0818 you can text or WhatsApp to 0862103103 Ross says all these reviews generating money query for who well it's the 
legal profession and that's what I was saying with the wrong business and you know I mean the legal profession and I'm not knocking the legal profession but that's what they charge if you get into barristers and having barristers inside in a courthouse or barristers having to review or look over it that does not come uh, cheap cheap at all and someone else says it's not planning anymore it's the power of money you see I hate to think that it goes down to money that's why I deliberately asked about when I heard they were going for judicial review anything to do with the high court costs a lot of uh, money and it's often to think that you could have a small area that they just wouldn't have the financial wherewithal to stand up and say no you know we think this is wrong we, you need to look at this again I always feel for small communities when they have to go down that route of uh, judicial review because it is uh, costly indeed thank you for your text to 0862 103 103 Court today on C103 with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie By the way the lady who went into the shop to buy a small gift and asked for a paper bag and was told 40 cents uh, please and uh, she was gone on to us to say she was a bit confused she didn't know people shops were charging for paper bags and I was saying you know maybe it's cost to do business and all of that and I was wondering had she queried why it was 40 cents and she said she did query she did ask and the gentleman in the shop just said they're 40 cents didn't give any explanation as to why they were charging for paper bags and uh, when she said in her initial text I walked out she said I did walk out I didn't take the gift either so the shop lost out on a sale because of the 40 cent for the paper bag. 0818103103, as I say, I don't know how widespread that is at the moment. Are all shops, are all businesses charging for paper bags? I certainly haven't come across it before. Thank you, though, for your text. John Paul's taking your calls at 0818103103. Now, the Cork Stroke Support Group, they're holding a fundraising cycle. It's on Saturday, the 21st of May, and it is called Spokes for Stroke, which I think is a great name for a fundraiser. All the money's raised will be going to support their activity programme at the Cork Stroke Supports Centre in Black Rock. And to fill us in, I'm joined by Dan Curtin, who is the chairperson of the group. Good morning to you, Dan. Good morning, Patricia. And Thanks, it, for, thanks well, for having us on. Well, it's great to talk to you. I last spoke with your group at the opening of the support centre, I think that was October, wasn't it, last year? That's right, 29th of October. Yeah, how is, how is the centre doing? It's been absolutely fantastic uh, since we opened uh, the, the centre, uh, which is the first of its kind uh, in Cork. Uh, our activity programme has increased to five days per week um, um, and through uh, funding from local businesses and HSE funding. We're now uh, in a position to uh, start a, a stroke day service uh, one day a week uh, from next Monday, which is fantastic and hence the reason uh, why uh, we're getting on our bikes in three weeks' time to raise uh, much-needed funds uh, to help us uh, keep the service going. And explain what that new one-day service is going to mean. So um, the, the one-day service uh, will help stroke survivors uh, with physio, um, peer support and interaction on a, on a social basis one day a week. Uh, we will have uh, eight to ten participants uh, every eight weeks um, throughout the year. Um, and it's really an added service that um, we are offering uh, stroke survivors from uh, Monday next now. I tell you, this is a real, real uh, success story and the way it has grown is is just incredible because what the centre very much does, Dan, is it bridges that gap, doesn't it, post-hospitalisation. I mean, somebody has a stroke, it comes on really suddenly, you get to hospital, you've made it, thank God, and then you go home. And for a lot of people, there was nothing. 
Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I found myself in that situation uh, when my own father had a, a stroke. Um, you know, he's discharged from hospital and where do we go next and where do we get the information? And that's really what, you know, Cork Stroke Support and the Cork Stroke Support Group uh, are there for. And when we opened the centre last October, it allowed us, um, you know, a, a more referral pathways from um, the hospitals and, and community to uh, take on more stroke support um, or stroke survivors uh, where we can, you know, help them um, promote function, health, well-being, bolster coping strategies, um, you know, and we do that through engaging activities, uh, professional and peer support. Um, and, you know, uh, there's no uh, better person uh, than a stroke survivor to understand what are the stroke survivors are going yeah, to I was I was thinking of that when I was doing some research on the, on your group yesterday I was just thinking the peer support side of it to, to be able to sit and chat with somebody else who can really identify with what you have gone through or what you are going through must be fantastic yeah and you know it's so important um, you know to have that uh, peer support um, to help with recovery um, when uh, the you know the stroke survivor is discharged from hospital, and it's not just the the, the, the stroke survivors, but it's the carers and families uh, you know that also need uh, that same support. And obviously, the Cork Stroke Support Centre uh, is offering that help um, to uh, you know the the carers, families, and stroke survivors. Because yeah, I imagine when your dad came out of hospital, if the centre had been opened. It would have been a huge benefit to you. It would absolutely have been a great benefit. Uh, you know, and I, I think the feedback that we're getting from anybody who visits the centre is the, the homely uh, and friendly environment. Um, you know, we we um, organised a design team to make sure that the, the, the colour schemes were, were right, that they were relaxing and homely. And uh, the feedback has been absolutely fantastic since uh, October when we uh, officially opened the Stroke Centre. And your the, the the cycle that we'll talk about in in a minute. Your fundraising for the activity program at the centre. How many different activities do you have at the centre? We have uh, we, we, because we opened the centre. It allowed us to increase the amount of activities, and uh, you know they they vary from uh, boccia to um, we have a a, a choir uh, ah. in, in in the the centre. We we took on uh, art classes. Uh, we we do sing songs, computer classes. It's been absolutely fantastic. And on top of that, then we bring speakers in that would, you know, do do some talks as well. Um, so the fact that we have the space, it's dedicated for stroke support and, and the Cork Stroke Support uh, group. It allows us to, you know, use our own space now without um, having to uh, be dependent on, you know, someone else to give us a, a room mm. for, for a day or whatever the case may be. And how much of the activities and the cost of the centre do you have to fundraise for? Do you get state support? We uh, we're very lucky to get uh, HSE uh, funding Brilliant. Uh, for the stroke day service, and it's specific to the stroke day service that we we are starting uh, on Monday next. But for all the other activities, the, the you know the art classes um, uh, and that we you know and, and obviously to pay for our rent and and the likes, um, we need to fundraise. And no. we've been very lucky uh, with you know local businesses uh, in Cork and County um, giving us funding. But, you know, uh, COVID has been tough on all charities. And again, particularly with Cork Stroke Support, um, we are now really only getting back into the swing of things by organising fundraising events. And obviously our next one is uh, Spokes for Stroke on the 21st of May. Tell me about this. You've got two, two cycles. 
So we've got two routes. Uh, we've got uh, the 45-kilometre uh, route uh, and the 95-kilometre route. Now, they both start and finish uh, at the Cork Stroke Support Centre. Um, the, the, the difference is that the, the 45-kilometre route will be um, will be turning at Carrigaline and heading back towards um, Ballygarvan, whereas the 95-kilometre uh, cycle will continue through Carrigaline into Belgooley. Uh, on into Kinsale um, and back through into Shannon and then back into the Cork Centre. That's, that's for the fitter ones. <laughs> that's, that's for the fitter ones, that's right. <laughs> will, you be do, will you be doing it yourself? Uh, uh, unfortunately, not this no, time no. Um, because we, we we need so many volunteers to to run the actual Absolutely, cycle. absolutely. Um, there has, know, to be, there has to be there has to be the cog in the wheel as well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it's all hands on deck from a volunteer perspective. Okay, and you're asking people to pre-register on Eventbrite and it's just, it's 30 euro. It's 30 euros uh, and they can pre-register on Eventbrite and if they log on to our website, um, corkstrokesupport.ie, um, there'll be a link uh, that will take them to uh, Eventbrite where they can uh, book their tickets in advance. But uh, yeah, we'd like as many as possible um, to um, register on Eventbrite, please. Yeah, and you know, you're, what the service you're running, it's one of those things, you know, nobody knows when they'll have a family member, they themselves, or when they'll have a family member who'll, may, who'll need to avail of your, your, the support that you're offering. And that's why it's so important that, you know, you get the support that you need now to keep going, to keep doing what you're doing. Absolutely. And I, I, I don't think there, uh, there, there, there isn't a person in Cork or County that haven't been touched by uh, you know, someone having a stroke or someone they know having a stroke. And, uh, you know, from our perspective, um, our hope um, is to become an operational hub for stroke support services in Cork and County um, and, you know, uh, become part of um, the, the real community service where we can uh, offer walk-in advisory services for stroke survivors and their families. And this funding will go a long way towards, you know, helping us achieve that by organising uh, regular activities on a, a, a daily basis in the centre. That would be brilliant. Well done. And and you got involved in all of this, Dan, because of your own dad. Yeah, so um, my dad had a stroke and he he went through Symphonbar's re- stroke rehab- rehabilitation. And I met, um, my, myself and my three brothers met with um, Mary J. Foley, Carmel Commons and Anita Ryan. And they really were a great help to, me, uh, to my dad. So... We felt we needed to give something back, and we organised a golf classic um, the year after my dad died. Um, and then we or- we, we organised a second one, and we just got involved, and you know we, we've been involved ever since. And um, I'm now chairperson of the uh, of the board, so uh, you know it, it's given back to the community. Really, is what's about. Oh, by God, your dad can be very proud of you. He can be very proud of you. Well done. Somebody wants to know how do, how does somebody get re- referred to the support group? Is it by the hospitals? No, um, if they uh, if they log on to our website, um, they um, there's a, a referral uh, link there, and it can be self referral or indeed they can be re- referred um, from uh, the hospitals or the community. So, but they can say self refer by uh, filling in uh, the the referral. 
sheet on our uh, website. Okay, you do wonderful work. Continue good luck uh, with it. And if rent bright uh, for cyclists, please, who would like to get involved, 21st of uh, May, two cycles, a 45 kilometre and a 90 kilometre route, starting and finishing from the Cork Support uh, Stroke Support Centre. And I take it, will there be a cuppa when people return home? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> we, we, have, uh, we have a food stop in Kinsale for ah. the 95 kilometre cyclists and there'll be there will be a cup of tea and a sandwich well for uh, anybody who comes back to the Stroke Centre afterwards. Well done and good luck to everybody taking part. Uh, Dan, a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you for that. Thanks, Patricia. And thanks Thank uh, for joining us. Uh, bye bye. That is Dan Cronin, chairperson of the Cork Stroke Support Group, who are really are a wonderful, wonderful organisation. OK, we were talking about paper bags and the listener who was been asked 40 cent for a paper bag when she went in to buy a gift in a gift shop. So disgusted was she. She left the gift and the paper bag behind her and they didn't get any business out of her. A listener said Sports Direct charge 50 cent for plastic bags and they don't have any paper bags so you have no choice if you don't have a bag with you you have to buy their plastic bags I bought the bag once when I went there but the second time I said no I'm not paying for the plastic bag so I took the item and I walked out with it in my hand I've also noticed in Boots and in Duns there seems to be a shortage of paper bags and they don't use plastic bags so if you don't have a bag with you you could get caught out I guess you just need to make sure you're bringing your bags with you all the time but if it's an impulse buy or a large amount you really can get caught out yeah and that's what I'm talking about I never go anywhere without my bags for life but every now and again on an impulse buy or you might have the handbag that doesn't have any of the little shopping bags tucked away in it you can get caught out but I'm wondering if you've noticed the duns and boots with a shortage of paper bags I'm wondering is there a worldwide shortage like we're seeing shortages of so many things I'm wondering is is paper bags one of them as well and could that be an explanation as to why the shop decided to charge 40 cent but certainly we're not hearing of anywhere else charging for paper bags as of yet You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed People still reacting to my interview earlier with Damien Long of West Cork Connects, the private bus service that links people from Cor- from West Cork, brings them into Cork City. And of course, they get dropped off at St. Patrick's Quay. And the idea then is there's a number of other private buses and tour operators working from St. Patrick's Quay. So you can get off one bus and you can get onto another bus and away off with you. Or, of course, if you weren't just going into the city, you get off there and go wherever you need to go in the uh, city. And now we're hearing the Cork City Council. It's all to do with the McCurtain Street Public Transport Improvement Scheme and it certainly is going to be an improvement on this scheme because it's going to deliver shorter bus journey times for all passengers in Cork City and that will be due to increased network of dedicated bus lanes and bus priorities. So people in the city certainly are going to benefit from this but it is people who travel from the county areas who come in on some of these private bus operators they're now going to get off their bus in a different parking space and then if they have to connect to another bus they're going to find out where the other bus is parked and try to get there as quickly as possible and I think Damien Long his explanation of the bus their first bus out of West Cork in the morning leaves bright and early I think he said after six in the morning and that gets up into Patrick's Key for about five to eight and the reason for that that timing is so important it's in order for people to get off the bus and if they want to go on the air code and they need to go to Dublin they can then get off that bus and get onto the next bus whereas if he's going to continue to still arrive at 5 to 8 and then people have to get off the bus and then 
head to a, a different uh, area of the city centre to find their other bus, you can see people uh, getting confused. Or worse, people will miss the next bus and the knock-on effect of that. So I, I can see why Damien and other private bus operators are up in arms over this. And certainly a lot of the customers who did realise that there was new there's a cycle lane going in and uh, onto uh, Patrick's Keep and they're removing all of the buses and a lot of people are up in arms about it. Maurice says, Patricia, I think it's absolutely ridiculous what's happening in the city at the moment. You've got Brian Baru Street, a two-way traffic causing congestion then onto McCurtain Street. There seems to be roadworks everywhere in the city, says Marie. And for Marie can see it's been done to accommodate wider footpaths and she feels some of those wider footpaths are not actually needed. Cycle lanes that aren't being used. Why? Because suddenly the cycle lane disappears. So cyclists are staying on the roads. Thanks for, thank you for letting me have my rant says Marie you are more than welcome you can rant away anytime you want somebody else says Patricia disgrace moving all the buses from Patrick's Quay it was the safest place to get the bus also very handy for getting off one bus and then on to another bus the West Cork Connect service that you discussed earlier is a fabulous service I use it from Bandon trying to find bus stops will be a disaster and I mainly use it if I need to get the air coach what happens if you miss the air co- coach the knock-on effect could be you could miss your flight tell Eamon Ryan that he's ruining the country well I'm assuming that Eamon Ryan would be happy to hear they were putting in new cycle lanes into the uh, city but I don't know if it would be that he's all on about connectivity he's all on us about, about us getting on a bus and getting off one bus and onto another bus or onto a train or a Lewis or a Dart but this is a decision that's been made by council so we can't point the finger of blame at Eamon Ryan on this one. And then someone else on buses says, Patricia, myself and the hubby went to Galway. It was a few years ago on the bus. We really enjoyed it. We were there in two and a half hours. So for Easter this year, we said, why don't we recreate that trip and do it again? So we decided to get on the bus again. But, my God, it took over three hours. It seemed to stop everywhere along the way. We won't be going on that bus again. We spent half the day uh, on it. And I suppose that's to do with connectivity and trying to pick up and offer the service to more people along the way. Frustrating if you just want to get from A to B. But, you know, think you you try and remake, make it. I always think for things like that, try and remake, make it as relaxing as possible. Now, it's been a long time since I've been on a bus, but I always loved when the bus stopped and you're looking out and particularly, you know, you get to see new towns and new areas. I always enjoy that side of it. But if you're in any kind of a rush and you want to get to the place, it might be a bit frustrating. And hi, Patricia, I have a suggestion, please. And I came up with this a couple of days ago. Let's see what others make of this. Could we come up with some kind of a system where we make carpooling popular? Make it hip, a new way to go. It would save lots of money in fuel, wear and tear on people's cars. It would obviously cut down on um, pollution. And it also would improve connectivity amongst people. Because if you start getting into the habit of a carpool, you will end up sharing with people that otherwise you might never have known. Chat in the car, going to and from work or going to and from shopping could lead to improving one's area. You get to know more people in your area. Maybe also it would be a good idea for older people. It will help them to socialise more. It could be used for preschoolers. It could be used for school children or a service that may be needed in a particular area. Our whole mindset around travel, says this texter, simply needs to change. It would be lovely says Helen, to see carpooling being popular for people whom it would suit. 
and who could avail of it. Um, yeah, not a bad idea, um, Helen, for sure. And I mean, carpooling, I don't know how common it is now. I know at one stage here on the radio, we would often be advertising, you know, that somebody wanted to, a car share, you know, somebody needing to get from, say, some part of the county into the city, needed to be in work at a certain time, or a student might need to be in a college at a certain time, willing to share expenses. You know, that was quite common. Don't know how common it is today. Uh, and particularly with school children, I assume families help each other families out and there's kind of a bit of carpooling going on between friends or family members. You know, if I need to, I'll do the school run in the morning so I'll pick up your two kids and I can fit in one more neighbour's child and I'll bring all them to school and can you then collect them in the afternoon? That sort of thing, I imagine, probably uh, goes on, on uh, goes on locally. But you actually have carpooling and as Helen says, make it hip make it a new way to go. You should get on to Eamon Ryan as the Transport Minister. He would love the idea of carpooling because wasn't it he had the suggestion that every village would share a car and you'd have a kind of... And, and I know you can rent cars. There's Isn't there a company whereby you rent cars for so many hours a day? Um, he would love anything that would stop people people getting into cars and I know it certainly frustrates the Green Party Party to see cars driving around with only one person in it but how much car pooling is going on at the moment I don't actually know but maybe somebody listening to us does 0818 103 103 and then on paper bags this got kicked off by one of our listeners who went into a little gift shop buying a gift ticket of paperback for that and the man in the shop says 40 cent please and our listener was so annoyed she says I'm not paying you 40 cents for the bag and didn't then buy the gift walked out without buying same James and Cloyne says I always ask for a cardboard box and I don't think I'm being charged for one however maybe I will be into the future a lot of the supermarkets give cardboard boxes and there never is a charge I mean it's a way for them to get rid of the cardboard boxes as well so I think they're only too happy for you to take the cardboard box uh, James and Trish in Blackpool she reckons about a year ago she remembers hearing or reading something about a huge paper shortage coming out of Finland they said at the the time that the shortage then would come down the line and that there would be specific bags and packaging that would be in short supply maybe it's been resolved but could that be the issue and is that the reason why some shops now are saying that there is a shortage of paper bags so while the news was on I did a quick Google search to see what's happening with paper bags now I did find an article I think this is out of Germany from last October where they were speaking about supermarkets uh, and shops were going to have a huge problem when it came to paper bags and at that stage they were all already starting to see a shortage in Germany in October of paper bags and it was due to a tense global raw material situation and because of this tense global raw material situation there was going to be temporary bottlenecks in paper bags and that you were going to find areas where people weren't going to be able to get uh, paper bags so it could be part of that and if there was a tense global raw material situation back in October we now have a war going on in Ukraine which is obviously causing raw material shortages all over the world as well so so that could be adding uh, to it so that might be the explanation. Thank you for that Trish and then Irene works in retail. Now she said her shop doesn't charge for paper bags they do have plastic bags which of course they have to charge for but they don't charge for the paper bags however she said there's another shop nearby where Irene works and one of her friends 
works in that other shop and they have started charging for paper bags and the reason for it was that the reason that they're charging is they buy their paper bags in bulk and that has increased the shops physically buying the paper bags are now paying more for them plus her friend also reckons Obviously, the shop is trying to cover the additional cost of the paper bags, but they're also trying to encourage people to please start bringing your own bags for life with you. And they feel that by charging, it might just put people into the mindset that no matter where you go, even for the smallest of items, have a little shopping bag with you at all uh, times. And Irene said she's aware that in shops, if you ask for a bag or bag, that, oh sorry she says herself she noticed that if you get a paper bag that you're actually charged without being told so she says it is coming in you really need to watch your till receipts that more and more shops are now starting to charge for paper bags as I say I haven't noticed it to date but Irene certainly is noticing it but it could be done there is the additional and I did mention that and, and particularly if it's a small independent shop you know a small little shop that they are some of those shops are barely surviving at the moment and they've come through pan, the pandemic many of them were, were closed so I'm very conscious and aware of the cost of doing business for them and how difficult it is for them so they probably have to pass on the charge but maybe as Irene says it also has been introduced to try to get people to try to move us all away from throwing away things and this everything being disposable and even though it's compostable and it might be recyclable but single use anything has got to stop and I know John Paul tells me I think we're going to do it tomorrow we didn't get to it uh, today the single use with the coffee cups you know what they're calling the latte levy that's due to come in and actually I read earlier this morning I was kind of shocked by this this is going to be if you go for your cup of coffee on the go or your cup of tea or your hot chocolate or whatever there's going to be a charge if you don't bring your own reusable cup with you if you get a disposable cup even if the disposable cup even if it's compostable even if it's recyclable there's going to be a charge and I think we're we're, we're being told it's going to be I, th- I think we were told about 40 cent but I read today that the latte levy could be as high as oh no it was I think 20 cent I think is what it's been set at but it could be as high as 1 euro and I think what will happen with this latte levy, a little bit like the plastic bag, it comes in at a very low. Remember when the plastic bag levy first came in, sure it was pence we were handing over and it's gone up and up and up in price. I think they're going to do the same thing to try to get us to move away from the throwaway cups that you buy your cup of coffee with. Uh, we're, but we're going to be doing something on that tomorrow on the programme. So maybe that's what's happening with the, with the paper bags as well to try and move us away from single-use anything. They're trying to encourage us to bring our bags with us at all times. And okay, for us ladies that have the handbags, you know, you can always throw a little, you know, shopping bag, a reusable shopping bag at the end of your handbag. But I think for guys, you know, trying to get used to having a having a little shopping bag maybe in their pocket or in their jeans pocket. I don't know if fellas are going to be as handy about doing that as well. Unless, of course, they travel with their man bag. 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. And the best of luck to the Blackwater family carers. They are back again and having their first meeting in Formoy Resource Centre tonight between half past seven and half past eight. And they are particularly looking for new members to join. You can contact Porig for further details 087 22 
the Mallow Community Health Project, they're hosting the Marie Keating Mobile Information Unit on Main Street in Mallow. It's outside the church. They're there today and they'll be there until half past three this afternoon. It is a free service. It's to raise awareness of the importance of a healthy lifestyle and early detection in reducing cancer risks. And it's open to both men and women. And Annam Cara will hold their first meeting, in, or their next meeting, should I say, in the Clayton Hotel, Silver Springs, tonight at 7.15. All bereaved parents are welcome, regardless of the age of your child or the circumstances of the death. Admission is free of charge and registration is not required. You can get further information, though, on the other supports that are available from Annam Cara on 085 288 and St Mary's Church of Ireland in Castletown Roach. They're holding a fundraising evening. It's on this Friday night at 8 o'clock in Castletown Roach Community Hall. Tickets are €20. Euro. It includes a buffet supper, a collection of delicious desserts, teas and coffees, and all funds will go towards the repair of the church tower. Tickets are available by contacting Hazel on 087-947-1182 or any church member. Please note that pre-booking by today is essential and family rates are also available. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. And John in Cove was on to us when we're talking about private buses, says the Cove Connect, which we did mention when we were speaking with uh, Damien Long of West Cork Connects, provides a great service for uh, everybody in the East Cork uh, area. Uh, Patricia, you said the guys that make decisions don't travel by bus at all. In my opinion, what Patricia said is right as they're travelling around in Garda-driven limousines. They are the guys sitting around doll air and tables. So how can they relate and decide on bus routes and how they work? They're not living in the real world, unlike the ordinary person. But as I say, when people are saying it's a government decision, it's not. It's a Cork City Council decision. Um, the, that the changes are to be made. And somebody says, where is, thank you for your call, where is the Cork Air Coach bus going to stop if not on Patrick's Key? I don't know, but I know that in the press release we got from Cork, or the city, sorry, that we got from Cork City Council this morning, they say that clear maps showing the new bus stops will be displayed on St. Patrick's Key. It says will, but I don't know when, and will also be available to view on corkcity.ie or transport for corkcity.ie. But again, I don't know when it's happening at the end of the month, so it should be, obviously will have to be soon to let people know. And then Sue was on to say, could anybody tell me, please, what is happening with the gym in Damanwe? We were told it was being used at an emergency rest centre for Ukrainian refugees, but it's been closed now for three weeks and it's never been used. While we have three community halls and a community centre, any of those could have been used. We've been given no timeline as to when the gym will be reopened. It was already closed for two years and now it's idle again. What a shambles, says uh, Sue. Now, I know we did get on to uh, Declan Hurley of Cork County Council about this and he said uh, the reason and this is the background too is the reason why the gym has been taken over the Cork County Council has been asked to identify possible emergency rest centres for Ukrainian refugees and to have them an, on standby should an emergency need arise now they were all told to have them all of the different areas across Cork County were told to have emergency rest 
centres ready and they were particularly worried about the Easter weekend which is what nearly three weeks ago now in case a flood of refugees uh, came in and Dumbamway, what was identified was the pool building and the gym area. That was identified as a space to have available and on standby should it needs arise. And as a consequence, gym space is close to the public for that reason. Uh, the pool obviously is running uh, as uh, Norman and Declan said he'll, he'll uh, will keep people informed when the space will be required to, when the space will be required to activate uh, is that when it's back into the gym? I'm not too sure. Anyway, we'll get back on. I don't know when Declan, when do we get that statement from Declan? I don't know if it was this this week or not, because I know uh, we were talking about it ye- ye- yesterday. But it's one of those evolving situations. It's unfortunate that the gym is closed. I don't know. According to Sue, you, there's been no Ukrainian refugees have used the rest centre. I'm in, and I'm assuming there are similar rest centres right across the county and right across the country. Because we don't know and because the Department of Foreign Affairs doesn't know from day to day how many refugees are going to arrive, they have to have these rest centres always always ready. I mean, I know there was one in Clonakilty at one stage and that caused, there was a lot of problems there with the Clonakilty Community Hall was, was used and then it wasn't deemed uh, suitable. Was there? Did I read somewhere there was a leaking roof or something? So that wasn't deemed suitable. But they have to have rest centres opened. Now I can understand, I'm assuming from Sue's text to us this morning that she's a user of the gym and that's very frustrating if a service like that is taken away and not that anyone, everybody understands why it was taken away because of the refugee crisis. But if it isn't being used and it's been going on for three weeks, I can absolutely sense Sue's frustration. So we'll see if we can get an update on if they have any idea on when it will come back and when the gym will allow it to be used again by the people of Dunmanway. 0818 John Paul taking your calls. Gardening questions, please. I can see some coming in already. If you want to keep those coming in for Peter, please do 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Drive time with Martina O'Donoghue on C103. C103. Join me every weekday from four and I'll get you home with Cork's greatest hits and lots more. And lots more. Choose our feel good song of the day and we'll brighten up your journey with our feel good story. Feel good story. And we'll keep you moving with the very latest traffic info and local news for Cork. Drive time weekdays from four on C103. Starting to feel those lunchtime rumbles? Get Cork's lunchtime favourites delivered by Just Eat. From Boozham to Centra, or maybe even Subway. Whatever it is you're after, order from Just Eat today. Did somebody say, Just Eat? Participating stores only. See justeat.ie for details. Every life is a story. If your story needs a new beginning, we understand. Newa Healthcare Services provides expert care to children and adults with a range of complex support requirements. And right now, we're recruiting. Understanding is at the heart of what we do. Come work with us and start a new rewarding chapter in your county. Email recruitment at newahealthcare.ie. Newa Healthcare Services. Understanding is everything. You've promised me for years you'd paint the house inside and out and fix up that disgraceful garden, but you've done nothing. Ah, sure, it's grand. That's it. I'm leaving you. Okay then, good luck. 
At long last, she's gone. Now I'm off to Cronin's Home Value Hardware in Ballylicky. I'll do this place up how I've always wanted it. I'll need paint, decking, garden. See Cronin'sHardware.ie or call 027-50106. Delivery available for bargains, not marriage advice. Spring is here. Time to get your garden looking its best. Take the hassle out of gardening with Husqvarna Garden Products, including the revolutionary Husqvarna Automower or Husqvarna Handheld Products, such as trimmers, hedge trimmers, power washers, and much more. All available at your local Husqvarna dealerships, Atkins Bandon, Cronin's Home Value Hardware Bantry, and McCroom Tool Hire. Sun soak for less this summer with TUI. Savings on holidays in May and June from Cork Airport. Holiday sorted. TUI. Live happy. Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103103. Okay, we're just waiting, trying to get through to uh, Peter Dowdle. We're having a problem there. John Paul is, is that Peter? Uh, is working on trying to get it sorted. Okay, uh, Jennifer was on about, did did I hear something on the news about COVID figures? What was that about COVID uh, figures? Oh, I think Barry had a piece on the news. It was just talking about the incident rate across the six local electoral areas. COVID very much hasn't gone away. Now, the numbers are dwindling all the time. I think the figures for over the bank holiday weekend were 5,000 new uh, cases but the numbers of patients in uh, hospital they're continuing now they increased slightly over the weekend but they're still they're still at low enough I think we're at a seven month low now just under 400 and they're stabilising in ICU they're at uh, 39 but what Barry was talking about was the six local electoral areas in Cork have uh, rubbed the They've had their 14-day incident rate is out, showing which are above the national average. And six of our our areas were above the national average. Mallow reported the highest 14-day incident rate with 144 cases over the 14 days. And then the other areas that were high were the Cork City North, Formoy, Cork City South, McCroom, and Cork City South East Bantry. By the way, in West Cork, uh, they have the lowest 14-day incident of COVID-19 over the last two weeks so uh, Jennifer that's the reason it was mentioned on the news This is the Cork Today replay on C103 Dowdle joining me. Good afternoon, Peter. Let's get straight into questions. I sent you on a WhatsApp and I don't know if you saw it or not from a listener with a picture. Did you see that? I, I didn't, leave, I'm afraid. No, I was just about Yeah, we, 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 we can leave it for now and get into We We can come back to it uh, next week if we don't get it t- uh, today. Okay, hi, Peter. If I plant a climbing hydrangea on a gable of a house, would it encourage birds to nest in it? Would it also be good for bees to get nectar from the flowers, says Mike in Bantry? Well, no, unfortunately, it's not a great one for the bees, to the best of my knowledge. You know, somebody else can, could, could come in and, and, and say that theirs is, but I I haven't really noticed much bee activity around climbing hydrangeas ever, to be honest. And, and it's really the best way to see if something is good for pollinators is just by observing. So I would say, unfortunately, no, in terms of a climbing plant that's good for bees, not necessarily. But yeah, I mean, a mature one, certainly birds will nest in it, uh, but it'll take a while because birds will only build a nest when it's quite high, obviously. They, they, you know, 
their, their, their sixth sense kicks in and they don't build nests too low where they might be vulnerable to predators. So they'll, they'll only build nests at a, at a certain height. Uh, but yes, in answer to the question, when it is mature enough, certainly they will make nests in, in there. And the, 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 the great benefit of climbing hydrangeas is that they're self-clinging. So in other words, you don't need any trellis or wire, Trish. But also they'll grow in, uh, I don't know the gable end of this house now that they're describing if it's shaded or sunny, but they'll grow even in a very, very shaded or dark wall. It's a very good choice for the situation. Okay, hi uh, Peter. What is the best time of year to take cuttings of a verburnum pilcatum? Is that Jack Antibus? Yeah, yeah, pilcatum marisei probably. Um, it, it, you know, it's funny because I was only out in my own garden yesterday. And I, I didn't have uh, much. People, people think that I, I, I can. Um, I can live in my own garden, but unfortunately, I don't get to spend <laughs> half enough time in it. But uh, I was out in my own garden yesterday, and I said, "God, I must take some cuttings off a few d- different plants there." Uh, so now is the time of the year for for viburnums, uh, the placatum, which is also often referred to as the the wedding cake tree. Oh, many yeah. Pla- yeah. many plants are referred to as the wedding cake tree. The, the classic wedding cake tree is a, a different one; it's cornus. But the viburnum is a white flowering one, which grows with this tiered effect, and it's also sometimes referred to as the wedding wedding cake shrub. Um, Really beautiful plant, but now is the time to take cuttings. Any you plenty of time, so it's any time May to July, really May to August, even take a cutting of this year's growth, ideally, uh, and uh, you cut at a node, which is quite simply where the stem, where the leaf meets the stem. That's the node, and that's where all the magic happens because that's where all the hormones congregate. So if you if the, the base of the cutting is a node, into a small bit of rooting powder, into some compost, damp compost. Keep it damp, but not overly watered, because obviously it doesn't have any yet, so you don't want to rot it, uh, but it can't be bone dry either. Uh, And uh, I would say, if this year's growth isn't thick enough yet, in other words, if it's too fragile, leave it another few weeks, maybe leave it into June. But if it is, depending on where you're calling from, uh, you, you, you could take that cutting. It should root relatively quickly. I would say, give it a few weeks and it should be producing a few roots. Okay, Sheila says, hi, Patricia and Peter. I recently set a dwarf, is it Mahonia? Yeah. In a shaded corner. Any advice, please, around watering, drainage, fertilizer, etc. I planted a pyracantha and it failed in that same area last year. So trying to have more success this year. Thank you, you in advance, Sheila. Well, Sheila, shaded parts of the garden are particularly dry shade are, are maybe the most difficult parts to get right or to get plants that will survive in. Um if the I'm not surprised the pyracantha didn't do because the pyracantha would be a bad choice for there. It will want full sun, so that's that. So don't lose heart over that. It was just just the wrong choice. Uh, depending on the level of shade, is why I'm hesitating. Like if it's if it's under very heavy shade, like from conifers and things like that, where it's never getting light. Realistically, nothing is going to grow there. A good kind of test is if weeds will grow there, then something will grow. If you know what I mean. Where, but if there isn't even weeds growing there, that means nothing is really going to establish there. So depending on the level of shade. But if it's only what we refer to as semi-shade, Trish, where it's getting a certain amount of light, even if not direct, well, then you should be okay. The ground cover Mahonius, it wouldn't be the best choice for shaded ground either. But you, again, it depends on the level of shade. Uh, tips, anyway, in terms of how to get it to establish plenty of water. If it's only in there recently, you've got to treat it as if it's still in a pot. So the root system will still be in a tight root ball. It won't have made contact with the fresh soil yet. So you'll have to encourage that to happen and you'll have to keep it watering, watering it yourself to, to keep it alive uh, and to let the roots go, go out in search of the fresh soil. I wouldn't be too worried about fertilising it. You could give it a, a liquid seaweed um, uh, something like the Nature Safe uh, Atlantic Seaweed would be a good one to feed it with. Um but water really would be the most important thing for this summer, for the rest of this year. 
Uh, other things, if the Mahonia doesn't grow, uh, other things that might be better choice for shade would be things like the variegated euonymus. Uh, you've several different variety euonymus, which are lovely foliage plants grown for their foliage, uh, or maybe even herbaceous geranium. So maybe have a look for some of them. But whatever you plant and whatever you decide to go for, you will need plenty of water for the first year. Question for Peter, please. This is by email from Stephanie. We put organic lawn feed on the grass last week and Stephanie describes it as an act of charity and it got some rain. Just wondering, when will it be okay to cut the grass again as we didn't get a lot of rain since putting down the organic lawn feed and I can still see some of the granules on the surface. I usually cut my lawn once a week. Thanking you. Well, I suppose the answer to the question is you can still cut it. You can cut it this week if you want, but you're you're only going to remove an awful lot of the, the you know a lot of that laundry that you put down will just come up. It'll just be stuck up with the lawnmower. So you can do it now, but I wouldn't get value out of what you did last week. I'd leave it probably for two or three weeks. Um, ideally, you'd like it to kind of wash in, and if I suppose if it had gone down a week or two earlier. It will be well washed in by now, but we're, we're I think we're hopefully coming to a period of dry weather, so it might take a while for that to wash in. Uh, so I certainly, do you know what? You've kind of got to go with your gut on it. If you if you can still see some granules, I would leave it for another few days. I mean, at this stage, I would certainly be leaving it for another week, if not two. But in a week's time, if you can still see some of the granules, give it that extra few days. Sean says, when can I cut back a prunus nigra and a flagpole cherry tree? Well, prunus, they're both the same genus, which is good. So they're both prunus, prunus nigra is that kind of black-leafed plum or black-leafed cherry. Uh, and obviously the other one is a cherry blossom, but it grows like a flagpole. It's a lovely, striking plant. The time to cut the prunus, I'm, I'm, I'm 99% sure, without double-checking, that it is in July. With, with most of those fruit and ornamental trees, you would cut them back in October, November. But there are some genus which are which are prone to a thing called silver leaf, and I'm ninety nine percent sure prunus is one of them. Uh, so therefore, you wouldn't prune it till kind of July, till midsummer, high summer. Uh, so I would leave it off till July and prune it back then. Prune both of them back then. Carmel says, uh, "Hi, Peter. How do you kill the lily red beetle? It's destroying my Jerusalem lily." They are a curse of a they? they really are a curse. And if you're like me, if you like your lilies, you know, those actual lilies that you get in the flower arrangement, those real lilies, uh, they can become the scourge of your life overnight, Trish. Um, so the best thing to use, bar none, I'm glad to say, is a, a, I'm not sure if it's certified organic, but it certainly it probably is, but it's certainly an environmentally sound product. And it's one called Grazers. The Grazers do a range of different products, but they're all based on a formulation of calcium, which makes plants completely unpalatable to, uh, to the certain pests, depending on what you're trying to control. But they do one for the lily beetle, and it really, really works. And you're speaking to somebody who's a bit OCD about his lilies. Uh, and you can water, I, I, I do get the, the lily beetles, and when I put on the grazers onto my, my lilies, or in this case, the Jerusalem artichoke, you can actually see them jumping off. They, oh. they just come off it. So, yeah. And so you're leaving them, you're, you're, you're not interfering with the natural balance. In other words, you're not introducing a chemical and killing them. So you're leaving them there where they're available to predators like birds and things like that. So you're, you're really working with the natural cycle but when you're, you're protecting your plants. You're plant. protecting your, your lilies. Mary and Bandino sent on some pictures which I can send on to you afterwards, uh, but you may, might be just able to answer the questions. What can be done for a rhododendron whose leaves are a dull green brownish colour? And also is is there anything that can be done for a laurel hedging? They have holes in the leaves and she's attached the pictures and there are a lot of holes in the leaves. 
the the rhododendron, I probably want to see a picture. If you send on the picture, I'll have a look at it for next week, certainly, just to be sure. I don't want to get the wrong advice because several things could be causing that. So I, I'll have a look at that. In terms of the holes with the laurel, it's a thing called shot hole disease. Um, your best bet is, is kind of a threefold uh, approach. Give it a light prune. Now, it's illegal to prune your hedges at this time of the year until we get to September under the Wildlife Act because of you know wildlife nesting, so don't cut it back now. Um, but cut it back come September to remove as much of the infected growth, so as many leaves as possible with the holes. And I know that's not practical, you're not going to get all of them, but do give it a, a light enough pruning. Uh, drench the soil around the hedge, the whole base would right, do this now, but drench it with copper sulfate mixed with water. It's the same as what we use for potato blight and things like that. It's a good broad spectrum fungicide trish. So drench the, the, the root zone with the copper sulfate and water. Only do that once, maximum once a year, uh, and then feed that hedge. So feed the hedge to, to make it It's a bit like ourselves, as I often say, Trish. First of all, you need to remove as much of the infection as possible, which you will do in this case with pruning. Then you need to treat the infection, which you've been copper sulfate, and then you need to give the plant a tonic to make it more resistant. So again, one of the, those liquid feeds, and the, the liquid seaweed feeds, and there's loads of them out there now. Uh, the Nature Safe is the Irish one that's made in Galway. Um, drench it with a good a good liquid seaweed feed or even just a, a good seaweed feed like granular or dried seaweed and that will drive the hedge on and, and, and make it healthy and hopefully more resistant to, to the infection. Hi Peter, can you tell me what is the best thing to do for an olive tree? It's in a big pot but there isn't much foliage on it. Move it back to the Mediterranean. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong country. <laughs> well, do you know what? I, I know I sound very facetious by saying that, but it, it, it kind of is. They are plants that are more suited to much warmer climates, um, which we, you know, warmer than what we have here. And it's in a large pot, which is good, which means it's not going to be watered out. It, it, excess water can drain away. Um, I would prune it, but prune it lightly. So, in other words, don't prune it. All the foliage is on the outside, isn't that what they said? Yeah. Yeah, but if you prune it all, all the foliage off to try and thicken it up, it's, you're, you do risk losing it because it's evergreen, so it needs some uh, greenery for it to continue to photosynthesize. So it's a gradual approach. You put it from the outside in, but do it gradually, making sure that you're leaving some leaves behind you every time you prune. Uh, a good feed for, for olive trees is actually sulfate of ammonia, which is pretty much pure nitrogen. So give it a shot of sulfate of ammonia. If you are growing olives in Ireland, I would, that's a matter of kind of regular maintenance, I would give it a shot of sulfate of ammonia uh, mixed with water every March, April. But do it now by all means. Not not the foliage, not the stem, but the, the soil in the pot. And I'd say if you do that and a light prune, you should see it start greening up from, from within, if you like, relatively quickly this time of okay, year. Okay, and a final one. Question for Peter. A monkey tree, 20 years old. It's now gone black at the base on one side and it's oozing sap into the ground. Will it die? There is new growth on the top. I, I, I'm guessing, hopefully correctly, that the monkey puzzle, which is the oricaria, uh, and if I'm right, then that's not good news, unfortunately. But again, if they could get a photograph and send it into us, or send it into my own Facebook page, Irish Garden, we'll try and have a look at it. Um, but yeah, that could be bad news, I'm afraid. But I don't want to, to panic. Let, let's have a look at it first. Okay, all right. And are you busy? What are you up to? Anything this week? Into RT again later today. So right. on today with Dahi, we're busy out. And just for for people who may well be interested, on Sunday, it's this Sunday. I'm very double check. Yeah, it is this Sunday, the eighth of May. In in um, in photo, the rare and special plant fair is on. So if you have been looking for that elusive plant treasure that you can't find, uh, you know fairs like this are where you, where you, where you find them. So get yourself down there. But again, the early bird gets the worm. Get there early, I would say.
Because once they're gone, they're gone. Yeah. All right, listen, Peter, thank you for that. Have a lovely week and we'll chat next Wednesday. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. for joining us. That is Peter Dowdle of the IrishGardener.com. That's where I leave you. Thanks to John Paul Nick Richards with Court the Afternoon Judge Martin. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.